Hi, this is Ted Hager from Novell Open Audio. We're currently in our Winterim shutdown. We'll start our 2007 season in the beginning of February. Until then, we're providing a bunch of mini-episodes, short interviews with various people that you may have heard of on Novell Open Audio before. They're giving us updates, tips, tricks, various other things. And here's one right now. Continuing in our special series of Winterim episodes, we got to catch up with the Bandit guys here. Dale Olds, Pat Felsted, how you guys doing? Great. Good. Good to have you here. Tell us again, it's been a long time since you guys have talked to us about what the Bandit project is. Dale came in once and told us about the Higgins project. These are a couple different open source and open standards projects that you guys are deeply involved in. Catch us up. What is Bandit again? Bandit is a set of uh, all open source uh, components that specifically are focused on enterprise identity issues, things like authentication, authorization, and auditing. So you can think, think of it as runtime components that enforce the three A's. It's built on top of an identity abstraction uh, framework that is the Higgins Project that we, we contribute to and we leverage in, uh, in our use of Bandit components uh, to, to be able to produce these higher level uh, uh, capabilities. The way to think of it is that uh, Higgins gives us the ability to consume identity information from any source, whether it's an LDAP directory service, um, a SQL database, uh, an XML file, uh, soon uh, card space cards. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about here today. That's our that's our cool tip that we're going to get here, right? Card space cards. And pe many people may not have heard of card space cards yet. Uh, we'll get into that in just a second. We'll define what that is. But it has to do with Microsoft Windows Vista. Uh, but before we do that, how's the how's the project doing? The Bandit project is it, it has has the community grown? Is it starting to produce code? Is it starting to produce workable stuff? Uh, in, in a number of ways, yes. Uh, of course, some of the major co uh, contributions to the Higgins project have been from the Bandit team. We've contributed the LDAP context provider uh, to the Higgins project at this point. So uh, uh, the team has produced code. We've also been uh, consistently in, uh, almost weekly, in discussions with major vendors and uh, consultants and uh, external uh, customers, especially custom developers from external customers, uh, that get direct access to our development team. So we're, we're still wor working on increasing the contributions, but we're definitely seeing an uptake in mailing list activity, IRC channel activity, as people become more involved in in seeing what the Bandit project can actually do. Cool. And we've had um, about three or four releases of each and every component inside of the Bandit uh, project to, to date. And you know, we see new releases almost every month, every other month, uh, adding new functionality. And so as people get involved and tell us what they need or help us build it, that's what we're doing. So you guys are seeing that there are some projects that are starting, like some actual, like, end-user stuff or some actual back-end stuff that are starting to use these components and all these tools that you guys are producing within the Bandit and the Higgins projects. Yeah, I think in the last uh, two or three months, uh, especially as, as, uh, as we've seen this month, we've reached critical mass of a number of the components that we can put them together to show an end-to-end -end working system. So I think once we get to that point where we can demo 
end-to-end uh, -end systems, uh, we're seeing a lot more interest in the higher level values, things like the uh, auditing and authorization engine capabilities that Bandit provides. Nice. Okay, so let's get into the CardSpace side of things. Pat, maybe you can give the idea of what CardSpace is. CardSpace is actually the, I guess, the name of a product or a set of products that Microsoft has developed. It, it had a code name of InfoCard, and, and it's based on the OASIS standards um, uh, called WS Star, and there's a whole set of standards that have been worked by many people, including Novell and IBM and Microsoft, who developed these standards for taking identities and being able to federate them and to be able to authenticate them and apply policy to them, et cetera, with lots of things. Yeah, the WS uh, XML standards, those, most of those, if I recall correctly, those were originally started to be pushed by Microsoft, and there were like some competing things like a lot of the SOAP-based uh, standards that uh, we know of, like WSDL and things like that. There were equivalents within the WS side of things. Is that correct? Well, actually, those those uh, technologies like SOAP and WSDL actually are, are specific more to web services. And this is these standards, WS-STAR ones that I'm talking about, are more towards identity and uh, authentication, authorization, those kind of things. And they actually leverage those technologies, um, SOAP for transport, uh, the transport of information, and WSDL for advertising some of the services that are part of this um, WS-STAR or the card space implementation is the implementation. I remember. Now Now it's coming back to me. It was It was actually some of the Liberty stuff was the uh, had equivalents in the WS uh, star space, correct? Yes, there's actually, the, I mean, not completely, but there's actually a lot of overlap between li the Liberty specifications and the WS star specifications. Got it. So now CardSpace is being used by Microsoft for Vista authentication. Actually, more than Vista, it also does IE7. Um, uh, authentication. It's really a way... So for, web, for websites and things like that, it can do yes, that? Yes, for what we, what we call relying parties. So it can be a website, can be a relying party, or some kind of application that has clients that talk to it. That's basically the relying party. And so this is kind of, in a way, um, a response to Passport. They did Passport. It wasn't a very big success. And, they, and they've actually realized that they need to do this a lot more open and get people involved. And this is actually what we've been doing. We've been getting involved with them. And uh, and we've done, and what we're going to be talking about today is an implementation of the WSR protocols. It's completely open. Okay. Well, now that, that, that makes it interesting because usually in the past, whenever there was something like this, including Passport, I remember the analyst reports about Passport, a lot of them were about how it was with that, and I think it was Hailmaker or Hailstorm or something. That was... Um, that was uh, really criticized as being a lock-in strategy all over again, which was what people thought classic Microsoft strategy. So this is actually something that you guys are working on to make it so it's not a lock-in thing, but it's uh, cross-platform? Right. We've been, been working on this for uh, a year now. We see CardSpace as being something that we need to be compatible with uh, and interoperate with, but uh, there's also some really good ideas in it. But we've been working for a year to make sure that there can be completely open source implementations of all aspects of uh, a CardSpace compatible system, an info card system. We, we still tend to use the generic name to avoid using Microsoft's trademark name. The generic name being? InfoCard. InfoCard, okay. Um, so an, an InfoCard system uh, we've been working on for a year to do this, and that includes that uh, as of uh, uh, last September, uh, they finally announced the open specification promise uh, that made sure that all intellectual property that was needed to implement uh, the, um, uh, an InfoCard compatible system was open to absolutely everyone. 
that there that anyone could implement fully open source implementations. Uh, we're still pushing that we feel that there there's a little bit more work to be done in that area. That's Microsoft that you're pushing right, to open up pushing more Microsoft of these kind of specs to, to for more specifications and more. Uh, 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 openness on some of the specifications and making uh, all the intellectual property clear. The Higgins Project especially and another group called the Open Source Identity System uh, Working Group out of Identity Commons has been working very strongly uh, to publish uh, responses to Microsoft's OSP to make sure that this is open to everyone for uh, open source implementations. So we've made a lot of progress in that area and um, as of last week we showed a complete working end-to-end -end system in which uh, we used the Microsoft client uh, on IE7, but we used an open source identity provider card generator system uh, that we can talk about here in more detail. But uh, And then we also used a, a completely open source relying party stack. It was on uh, OpenSUSE 10.1 uh, and a media wiki and bandit authorization components and even used some Sun Zacamole uh, engine in it uh, to provide authorization services. So uh, we're, as I mentioned in my blog, we have completely surrounded Microsoft, uh, in, at least in their client implementation, with with, with open with source completely software. open source components. And when you said Zacaml, I just want to make sure the audience knows that that is XACML, which is Extensible Access Control Markup Language, if I remember. Okay. And it was the open Zacaml that we were yeah, using. Yeah, it's okay. So that, that's pretty cool. You guys managed to do this authentication system. So th then does what kind of thing does this allow for people then uh, as far as the identity? I mean, what's the end user experience or benefit on this? What would like the user see in this? The, the user experience is um, uh, something that uh, uh, I think they did a very good job in, actually, in, in designing. That in it, Vista, you in, mean? In, in Vista and IE7. And there's also now open source implementations, uh, especially there's, there's a, uh, a group called XML, XMLDAP.org, and the, the lead is Chuck Mortimer. And he's also done a completely open source implementation of the selector piece itself. Think of it as the client piece. So what the user experience is, is that you go to a site and you say, I generate a user account on the site, give me a card. That card is now a set of claims, a set of information about yourself. It can be your uh, email address, your uh, street address, your shipping address, your name, uh, a set of attributes essentially. That is now uh, taken and installed on your machine, what the set of claims are, not the actual values. Which is which makes sense that's info card in a way, because right. you're it's, talking about info. And, and that's the you model. Know, it's a, it's a for, card. And sort of a, a metaphorical card. Me metaphor like a driver's license, like a credit card, like, like cards. Okay. That is now on your machine. You can have a bunch of them. You can have some that you made yourself, some that were given to you by someone else, like say v Visa or you know something like that, people who issue cards to you. Now you go to a relying, what's called a relying party site. You want to buy something at Amazon. You want to edit a wiki page. The, the, the page says, give me a card so I know who I'm talking to. At that point, the way the, the Windows UI works, the desktop grays out, you get a single interface, similar to what you get when you hit Control-Alt-Delete in Windows, that uh, shows you a set of cards. You can select which card you want to give to that site. What happens then is that card is now going to be, the values are going to be filled in with a trip to the original uh, security token service, and then the, that token is going to be passed to the relying party. 
uh, and you get your information. And you didn't have to type any username and passwords anywhere. Ah, okay. But, so your web experience becomes much easier, right. but you're not dealing with cached information in your browser, which is somewhat insecure. Right. I gotcha. Right. But, but also, all information transfers are under your control. You don't have to remember passwords, you don't have to type it all, but you do have to click. You do have to say, I want to release this information in this card to that relying party. Got it. For example, you can have a car that represents your work persona and your home persona. And you may be at Amazon. You may want to purchase sometimes from work or sometimes from home. And you can just quickly just select which one you want. So this is finally coming around that I have multiple personas I want to be able to use for different contexts that I work in. And I don't want to have to log out, log in. I don't want to have to refill it out all the time. I want to choose who I want to be on this particular art community versus this particular business community. Okay, that's very cool. Now, you guys mentioned that you did this whole demonstration using the InfoCard uh, stuff, and you did it with a Vista workstation, but you've also uh, surrounded it in all this open source stuff. You mentioned MediaWiki, and you guys, before, when we, before we did the interview here, or started the interview here, you mentioned that uh, this code is actually out there, and de demonstrable code. Tell us about the MediaWiki code. Well, as um, some of you may, if you're familiar with Banner Project, uh, we have our little mascot's a dog. And so, of course, keeping with the dog theme, we've actually produced two servers. One's called Woof and one's called Wag. And Woof represents the front end. And Wag and represents Wag the, the back, back end. end. Okay, got it. And those are actually the URLs for those are wag.bandit-project.org and woof.bandit-project.org. Okay. okay. And so... On these servers, we have implemented completely open source. These are open SUSE servers, and they have complete implementation of what Dale has been talking about on those servers. So this code is also under open source licenses that people can actually take it and use it, right? Yep. yep. Okay. Now, one, one caveat to that. The, the WAG server, the backend server, is the identity provider. So it, it's the place that is going to generate or issue a card. It's running eDirectory. Okay, uh, but we have tested it with other LDAP directories. You could use so Red Hat directory services. You could use Sun. Open LDAP would work. You could use Active Directory right. if you want to use something really proprietary. Right. You could use whatever you want. Okay. On, on our site, we're using eDirectory because we like eDirectory, but other directory services would would work there as well. Uh, but that is the identity provider piece, um, and it's going to actually generate the card. The MediaWiki is the relying party piece. That's the service that you're going to want to present the card to. Which is woof. Is woof. woof. Right. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> also on WAG is you have what's called an STS or a security token service. And that's actually as in, in the process of validating your identity, it talks back to the security token service. And that's actually built on the WSDAR protocol. And it's compatible with the way Microsoft Client communicates. And, it's, and that is a Higgins component. Okay. Uh, the, the security token service that's running on that machine. So this starts to get a pretty big mix of different pieces out there. You guys have dropped all this out there, though, as usable code and, I guess, good sample code that if somebody wanted to say, oh, I want to write something like that for WordPress or somebody wants to write it for whatever uh, tool that they have, if Google wanted to pick it up, if anybody wanted to use it for their web stuff, they could go out there, take this code, take a look at it, copy code, morph code, change code, and use it for their sites for the authentication systems yes, and for the information systems. That's great. That's very cool. Anything else about it? Well, the, I, I wanted to walk through the, the demo real quick. Um, this is a, a, a demonstration that uh, I showed last week at the Internet Identity Workshop in Mountain View 
uh, California. The Internet Identity Workshop, there's been four of them in the last uh, 18 months or so, has been one of the most influential uh, events in the uh, exploding area of the Internet Identity Systems. Uh, besides card space, there's OpenID, there's a number of, of, uh, uh, of these emerging Internet Identity Systems. So at this conference, uh, we wanted to show multi-vendor, open-source, interop, and we set up this system that has... Uh, there ain't no such animal. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't <laughs> exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, so, so we set up Wagon Woof and, and uh, did our best to, to show it working. And um, what it was was on WAG, we had eDirectory and we had uh, some PHP front-end code that allowed people to generate their own accounts. Uh, and uh, then from any Windows, and this stuff is still out there live now, so anybody using a uh, Microsoft client can go out and generate, a, uh, can, they can first use any web browser, access it, and generate uh, a user account for themselves. Then they can generate a card. They can also do this, it, we found out live during the demo that the other open source identity selectors work as well. I was happened to be next to Chuck Mortimer when I was giving the demo, and he was giving another demo, and he switched over and started generating cards off of our site. And Chuck Mortimer is? He is an open source developer uh, for the, from the uh, XML DAP uh, project. Okay. So uh, we are getting fully open source systems here. I, I, I get nervous when I say from a Microsoft client, because ultimately we want everything open source. But yeah, it wouldn't be that great if it were just Vista workstations with Internet Explorer 7 on them. It's nice but, to know that. But on the other hand, we do want to be able to work with those clients. So we need both. Right. So uh, we showed uh, people could generate a user account for themselves, generate a card, install the card on the workstation, access the media wiki. And what was really happening there is that in eDirectory, they could add themselves to a, a group that said group member wiki user yep. or wiki admin. That would then become a signed claim or a claim in the info card would become signed in the token and passed to the media wiki. Uh, the media wiki front end would take the card apart, pass it to the Zacamole policy, Zacamole driven policy engine that would say, okay, if the claim is this or the email address says he comes from Novell, or what it literally said was, or it's Daniel Sanders because we need to have a back door in our system. I, th I think we'll fix that after this pod or before this podcast goes out. Um, then uh, we'll allow access based on me existing MediaWiki groups. So it wasn't a lot of changes to MediaWiki. All it did was map the card information as it came in to the existing MediaWiki system. And MediaWiki doesn't have like a super sophisticated authentication system anyway. I've, I've actually, Aaron and I did a session at Brainshare last year where we showed how to integrate eDirectory with MediaWiki and it was, it was pretty darn simple to get going. So you guys probably had an easy enough time with that. Yeah, we added, not only had the card space authentication, we added the bandit role engine authorization, and we added the open XDAS, which is a bandit component um, auditing that you can see on both the servers. You can see the auditing events as they happen. This guy accessed this page. This guy authenticated all these kind of information. Okay, and, and that's a good point that we haven't talked about is that all accesses throughout the system uh, were, all, were being audited and visible from a web page. Uh, also through open source components that Bandit provides. And that includes probably access denied as well that's audited on yeah. that. So you're, you're able to see who did what, when, 
throughout the, that's pretty cool um so the demo sounds like it's a pretty complex demo to you know it certainly was not going to come across for some people in audio those people who managed to survive this far through this because they're just identity junkies um they're going to want to probably look at this demo is it online anywhere where people can actually watch the uh, demo was it filmed or anything wasn't filmed. There's a brief description of it in my blog, and the servers are actually still up and live, and we intend to keep them that way. Uh, so and your blog talks about that? It, it talks about, yeah. Actually, there's instructions on the Wolf site itself, on the first page of the Wolf site, and also on the Bannet site. Um, we haven't added them yet, but there will be, before this podcast comes out, instructions on exactly what to do step-by-step step if you want to check it out. Great. We'll link over to that from this show. That's the link you need. All right. Good. So with that, guys, uh, thanks very much for coming in and giving us a quick look at this stuff and we'll link over so that people can follow up if they're the kinds who want to look at integrating some stuff or see how the uh, bandit project and higgins projects are going we'll link right on over thanks dad thanks dad